Hello and welcome to the Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, and I'm a functional medicine pharmacist in New York, as well as an integrative health coach and clinical herbalist. I'm pleased to go into season three of this podcast and continue to bring on other holistic-minded pharmacists and healthcare professionals to the show. I'm constantly inspired by my guests and their stories and love sharing their points of view with you all. Please enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. I am so happy that you are tuning in and my little announcement this week is that we are moving the show to now air on Thursdays. Uh, it's just easier for me and my schedule that way. So I hope you all enjoy and um, look out for new episodes on Thursdays from now on. Anyway, so I want to welcome you to this episode. I had such a blast recording it and you're all in for a real treat. Dr. Stephanie Gaglione and I chatted about the realms of the physical, metaphysical, spiritual, and beyond. We discuss what true holism and holistic health is really about and why there needs to be a balance with all the forces at play. Stephanie is a certified nature therapy guide and integrative medicine pharmacist in New York. She completed her nature therapy training with the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Uh, just last year. She's passionate about providing health and wellness services that consider both traditional and alternative medicine as tools to support the individual on their unique personalized healthcare journey. Her work is centered around the belief that relationships and nature connection are the foundation for achieving optimal health. She's passionate about educating others around the impact our relationships have on our health. Stephanie's on a mission to bring the feminine essence back into healthcare to support, not abolish, the now more masculine approach. She advocates for recognition of the full human experience by making room for emotions, intuition, individuality, relationship, and humanity in healthcare. And now I'm just going to finish with a quote. We are in a relationship with everything, whether we have conscious awareness of this truth or not, and how we show up in these relationships determines our health and well-being. So with that, I hope you all enjoy the show, and please send me any comments, questions, feedback, and anything else you'd like me to know. Thank you. Hi, good morning, and welcome to the Raw Fork podcast. I'm so excited to have with me today Dr. Stephanie Gaglione. She's a pharmacist and a nature therapy guide. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Marina. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. So in your own words, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into pharmacy in the first place, um, and then maybe what happened first, the nature part or the pharmacy part? Okay, great. Um, I mean, of course, from a young kid, I was in love with nature. I think a lot of us start off that way and maybe forget along life. Um, But it was never thought of something that I could have a career in or something that I really should pay attention to. Uh, I think our culture tends to kind of forget about the importance of play, of dance, of the creative arts, of um, things that bring us joy and pleasure. And so 
like many people when I was in high school and feeling the pressure to try and figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life in high school. Um, it starts so young and I was naturally gifted in math and science. I had a big heart and wanted to help people. I wanted to be, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to do something good in the world. And that's something that's stayed with me forever. And because of the math and science, I was geared towards healthcare. My grandpa was in the pharmacy industry. Um, and when I started to do research, it seemed like a good way, and this is the honest truth, that's all you'll get from me, um, <laughs> to, be involved, <laughs> to be involved in healthcare, but it felt like at the time, not really knowing much about pharmacy, a little bit of a detached way to be involved, knowing that I had such strong emotions um, I couldn't imagine the strength that it would take to be a doctor, a medical doctor, and the emotional investment. Little did I know I'd have those same issues following me in pharmacy because that doesn't go away. You care about people, you're dealing with people, it's going to be there. Um, but that was what geared me towards pharmacy more than any other health-oriented um, field. And so I went through my pharmacy school um, right out of high school, completed my doctorate, and I started working in chain retail pharmacy. Um, and as I just kind of mentioned and alluded to, it was really stressful and really hard for me to manage with the emotional component um, due to my nature. Um, it's different for everyone. And that's a big part of my mission is that we are all unique and individual and there is no right or wrong. There's no shame for having emotions. There's no shame for um, loving nature, for prioritizing things that make us feel good. And that's a big part of what I'm an advocate for. Um, I was, as I said, working in the retail pharmacy and feeling really drained, overwhelmed. My health was declining really fast. Um, it, I can't say that there was even a small period of time where I was thriving. I feel like it went automatically into burnout for me. Um, and those feelings that I was having, my um, desire to have my own health um, led me to seeking alternative modalities. And it was a natural instinct of mine to go out in nature from as long as I could remember when I needed soothing and when I needed a break or just like to be held. And I didn't even know it. I used to go on bike rides in my local preserve when I was young. I grew up in Long Island. Oh, um, I was going to ask. <laughs> And um, so I'm very grateful that I had a little bit of both worlds. In Long Island, I have access to nature, although not as um, prevalent and deep and wild as other areas, but I still have a good amount of access. Um, but when I was young and struggling with heavy emotions, overwhelm, I would get on my bike and ride over to my nature preserve and I would automatically feel better, not thinking about it, not needing to know why, um, it was there for me from as long as I could remember. And so as I was having these struggles with dealing with my new career in the pharmacy world at a retail setting, which is specific, I think um, it's important to mention the difference um, in the climate. And I would find myself going and walking in nature on my days off. I'd work 12 hour shifts, four to three days a week. And then on my three days off, you'd find me in nature, trying to restore and replenish everything that was sucked out of me. And 
I started to see online um, different people sharing posts about nature therapy, forest therapy, forest bathing, and I was so hooked and drawn. And I'm like, it is therapy, it is healing, and other people are advocating for this. I need to learn more. And so while I was working in retail, I signed up for this training, not knowing what it really was, how I was going to do it, if it was a good choice, if I approved of my own choice to sign up, if it was a good investment, all these worries and doubts continuously trying to take me out of it, to try and get me to take it back, to um, not go through with it. And something in me was like, no, this is right. This is something you need to do. There's no logic here. And this was maybe the first time I had conscious awareness of the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. I was always very logical, very um, science-oriented, um, practical, and yet inside, my true nature is very artistic, and I never really saw myself that way or even allowed myself to see that part of me until the last couple of years. And... Um, so no matter what I tried to do with my logical mind to talk myself out of this training, I ended up there and it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. It was so much more than I thought it would be. It blew my mind. It integrated all these things that I felt passionate about and had this intuitive knowing was important and what was needed. And um, I found my home. And to be honest with you, I've never felt that in any other modality any other experience. Um, there's always something that I'll pick up on that's not completely in line with me. And I, I'm very graced and grateful to have an open mind where I can listen and hear and be like, that's not me, but I appreciate it and have that distinction. Mm -hmm. um, but there's still this longing to find my thing, you know, like what do I really believe? What's the whole picture? Um, especially in a career, if you're someone who really cares about what you're doing in the world, um, which is who I am, I, I was so happy and grateful to find this organization. Um, I trained with the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. They're a global organization and they've trained guides all over the world. Um, and their mission is to make it more accessible for the average person to have connection to nature and to receive the healing benefits from this. Um, the founder, Amos Clifford, he, um, brings light to the fact that the healthcare um, industry needs to integrate nature. Um, and so having trained guides is his way of trying to have, um, build trust, build relationships um, where medical professionals can feel safe in referring patients to a nature therapy guide to start this connection and to have this relationship and to integrate it into the medical model. And um, there are people, certain providers, more um, in European countries and now starting in California, writing nature prescriptions. Um, so it's hard for some people to grasp. Um, there's a lot to it. I'm going to be a lifelong learner on how to really understand this. And it's beyond logical comprehension and that's the tricky part but also the exciting part because we're more than just logic we have um whether you want to call it a soul um whatever it is to you that connects us all and um these things that you can't explain um 
it's a big part of the practice. I'm rambling. So do you have any questions for me? Yeah. Can I just close for one second? I'm so Wow, that was a lot to take in. And thank you so much for sharing. I can totally relate and resonate to everything that you said, uh, except I didn't really grow up around too much nature. Um, I'm coming from like urban Ukraine, where it was like a small town, not, not too much nature. Um, but we had like a local river that we would go to and things like that. And then at nine years old, I moved to America. So straight to New York City, Brooklyn. So not again, not too much access to nature, but it's here for us if we need it. Every city has this city planning, right? And they all incorporate parks and nature because they know how important it is to morale and to our mood and our happiness to be in a concrete jungle. We definitely need green in, in this kind of environment. So if you notice, like if you're a tourist or you visit places, you know every city has a city center, has parks. It often has like parks interspersed throughout areas, especially the more popular town center areas. So we know how important it is. We just kind of forgot about it because we don't really pay attention to it as much when, when we're like caught up in science, like you mentioned, and like finding cures for diseases. But the basis of being a human is so much more than just our physical body. You know, we're not body mechanics and we're not just bags of bodies walking around. And our heart, as you mentioned, it's one of the most um, rich organs filled with electromagnetic fields. So we've done experiments. It's not all in the brain. You know, there is this whole heart and brain conversation and relationship that science doesn't talk too much about yet, but they're, they're, they're starting to kind of pay attention and listen. So I'm really glad that you're doing the work of getting those messages out and um, really seeing the importance of nature and connecting with nature and having a personal relationship with nature. Yeah, I really appreciate everything you just pointed out. Um, there is a lot more science coming out to back up the things that we've known for centuries, thankfully. Um, there's a lot of research that the organization I trained with will sh have on their website if anyone's interested. It's um, natureandforesttherapy.org and there's tons of research for anyone who's skeptical or afraid um, to just blindly listen to what other people have found on their own, which is a great skill to always do your own research. Um, yeah. I'll have that in the show notes also. And um, I think, I forget the term for it in Japanese, but the Japanese have a whole culture around forest bathing. Yeah, Shinrin-yoku, which translates to forest bath. And so the idea is beyond just being in nature, which has benefits, um, bathing in the forest with all of your senses heightened has added benefits. So it's the state in which that you choose to be in nature that really brings in the amplification of benefits. Um, so, so, so many of us nature lovers will ride our bikes, we'll run, we'll talk with our friends, we'll do all these things in nature, which is A, awesome, keep doing it. But this other way of being in nature, as you said, being in relationship with it, when you're spending time with a friend, you're not going to stare at your phone and do your work. You're going to pay attention to them and you're going to listen and share in balance. And so a big part of what I am passionate about is learning what it means to be in healthy relationship because it's something that we don't prioritize and it impacts absolutely everything. Our relationship with health, our relationship with money, our relationship with ourselves, and we don't spend any time on that. So yeah, absolutely. 
And um, I also want to point out, so being in the forest over the, all your senses, scientifically and physically, there are stuff going on as well. So you're in this fresh air and also the air has molecules of essential oils flowing around from all the trees that are secreting these beautiful cleansing properties that help us with our lung health and asthma and other breeding, breeding things. So it does have both like a spiritual component and an actual physical scientific component and it has been proven. Yeah. So yeah, definitely for the skeptics out there, it all makes sense. And I also want to share that I went to herbal school myself and it was also like way more than I thought I would get, way more than I bargained for and it blew my mind as well because I, I wasn't just taught like, okay, this is a more so natural substitute for this, you know, do Y instead of Z, do X instead of Y. But it was like, uh, no, we are like part of a cycle. We are this ecosystem. We are nature. We're not separate from it. We're not above it. We are it. Like we're together in this, on this planet and in the universe. So establishing like those relationships is really the basis of life and just knowing your place in the world and feeling happy and comfortable in that place and finding the joy and the gratitude from that place. So like that was just such a huge lesson for me as like also like this, you know, left brain, like logical person and pharmacist to now like finding this whole other side just because I wasn't really raised with that. Um, and I wasn't also part of like a religious uh, community either. So I think like so the people that have religious backgrounds or like religious communities or homes, they kind of have that spiritual aspect figured out for them and like maybe they're more balanced in that but for people that are kind of playing playing around and they don't have that aspect at all it's like hard to grasp that and find that from somewhere and i think nature can give that to us too like being part of that wonder and the childlike you know joy as you mentioned and the spiritual component yeah thank you for bringing that up um that's another key component of the training I completed was to try and make the practice as culturally neutral as possible so that people can hear it because there's so much bias and stigma. Even herbalists, people are like, that's quackery. Nature, oh, that's ridiculous. It's it's sad, but it's very true. And um, so the, the role of the guide is to try and create a space for people to have their own relationship, their own experience without it being told how you're supposed to have it, what you're supposed to do with it. Um, and like you said, for people that don't have religion or another form of spirituality that makes sense to them or that they feel comfortable with, nature does offer that. And maybe that's not the way for someone. It's not gonna be the way for everyone and that's okay. Um, but something about nature and man, um, seems more, I mean, it is more connected than a lot of things. And um, it's really a gift to be able to try and help, try not, as a guide, we try not to have any expectations of what people experience on the walk. But for me, at least, there is a hope that they will find this connection to nature and this relationship. Um, that will change their lives and help them find peace and belonging because we need that. Yeah. 
And something that you said earlier about making everything intentional and like putting an intention behind things. So, you know, you could have nature right there and you could, you could be part of it and like have the trees on your commute and things like that, but not pay attention to it. But even in a city, like I mentioned, even though like it's bogged down with a lot of concrete and ugly things, if we find those trees on our commute and like pay attention to the flowers and notice things, that's bringing in like more of that awareness and the gratitude for the things that we already have rather than like going for, oh, the grass is greener on the other side and like, I'm going to be happy when this and whatever the case is. So it's just like, okay, but what can you be happy for right now? And like, what are your resources available to you right now? And so that's when we can enter into this conscious and aware relationship as well. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And um, like you mentioned earlier, there's like, I don't know if you ever heard the term biophilia. Well, I know it's the name of your company. Yeah, so I think it's important for me to- Yeah, philia means to like and- Mm -hmm bio means you know I guess biology life yeah yeah so philia as opposed to phobia is what we're attracted to and drawn to not afraid of and uh, biophilia is a term that means um, that humans have this natural instinct to be drawn to life to connect with life all life Um, and so what I was yes that's why I chose my business name but also there is biophilic design so what you had mentioned where cities and um urban areas have this aspect of their decision-making process that considers this. And even now they're starting to implement nature um, into hospital settings. I'm so grateful for this. My dad recently had surgery and one of the channels on the TV was nature sounds and streams. And that's the thing is there's studies and science that backs up that the simple act of listening to nature sounds through technology still does something. Of course, the technology has its own impact on us, um, but looking at a picture of trees can cause physiological changes in our body. And then in addition, when you're out in nature, surrounded by the trees and bathing in the chemicals and organic compounds emitted from the plants, there's that added component. Um, And so what you mentioned with essential oils is um, one of the most amazing things I learned from my training was that the plants and trees when they have any form of threat, any host of invasion, they emit phytoncides into the air, which is a type of terpene. Um, and these phytoncides is their immune response. And then when we breathe it in and when it affects us, we produce an increased production and activity of natural killer cells in the body, which is a part of our immune system it's a white blood cell and it fights off virally infected cells and tumor cells. So this is one of the main scientific reasons um, to back why in Japan they use this as preventative medicine and anti-cancer prevention. Um, So if that's not enough to get you to spend two hours outside a week, a day, um, there's a lot of other things that can get you there, but that's something for the science minds. 
Yeah, especially like the firs and the pine trees and all, all the needle needle trees. Um, they, you know, the cypresses, they are the ones that have a lot of the essential oils and volatile compounds that come off. And that's why those forests are amazing, um, have amazing healing benefits. And that's just such a good example of symbiosis, symbiosis between us. Not only do we have the carbon dioxide oxygen cycle between us, but we also have this other way of communicating with these phyto compounds and these constituents, whether by ingesting or just breathing them in. And so it's amazing. And um, we don't even realize like all of these things that are going on, they're just automatic. But if we just take the time to like learn about them and study them and appreciate that they're going on, um, you know, we can't survive without nature and trees. They can survive without us, no problem. <laughs> but we actually are the ones that are dependent on them. Yeah. Um, what you just mentioned is one of the, one of these um, quotes that I remember from uh, the book "The Biophilia Effect" by um, Avray Clemens Avroy. Um, he talks about how our immune system is a sensory organism. It's designed to receive and be receptive to unconscious information at all times. And so even without ingesting the plants and breathing it in, it's informing our body and responding to it. And so um, beyond the physical connection of us and nature, the imagery and the metaphors and the archetypes that exist in nature inform our bodies as well, which is the more feminine side of things, um, the things that we can't see, the things that um, are like magical and um, hard to grasp. They're mystical and it's something that our culture has kind of ostracized and um, kind of belittled the importance of, unfortunately. It's something that I've been coming into contact with more recently as I go through my life journey and seeing how the feminine and masculine interact in all different areas and the basis of life is the conjunction of man and woman it's everything if you look into everything there's that polarity the yin and yang and um there's a really large imbalance with the feminine in our culture specifically um and nature therapy to me is a way in which we can try and kind of restore that balance it's a space where um, we can prioritize the need for pleasure, the need for joy, the need for wonder, and um, the need to get out of your head and get into your bodies and to just explore and be curious and to love without needing to have any expectation or any benefit, any production from it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of really great points that I wanted to make there. So, yeah, I think the male aspect of things, the masculine, it's like the things that we can um, observe and, and quantify with our five senses, the organoleptic senses, but then that sixth sense, the intuition, the je ne sais quoi, that's the feminine, like that's something that's invisible to all of our senses, except that one, like in the heart and the knowing, the deeper knowing that is much harder to access, much harder to come by. And uh, I think in the past, 
it was a little easier because there was less technology and there was like more reliance on like this communication with source and nature. Um, but now we're so far removed from it living in all these cities. And so it's hard for us to like believe it and trust that trust that sense that it's speaking the truth. So it's a very much um, like a deep conversation with yourself and like a lot of work to actually tap into that. So I really also commend that that you're working through that um, channel and like opening that channel of communication. And also, um, I think that yes, nature does provide us with, with the access to these channels and like, you know, a lot of cultures have like their own like medicine people and you know some cultures call them shamans but every culture has them um so it's like they usually get these like divine messages from the plants and that's how they know like let's try this plant let's try that plant because they get like these downloads these messages from the plant itself even though maybe it's the first time they're thinking about using this particular plant. So there's like certain ways you can observe how the plant looks and what it does and how it smells like, but also there's like that other quality that is mystical. Yeah, so I just want to mention great points and um, something that I've been playing with and not completely sure yet it's a fine-tuned thought is um, like why nature and natural medicine has become so um, like you mentioned, we have trouble trusting it. And um, I've been stuck with, not really stuck, but it's, I guess, part of the conditioning of pharmacy training of our current climate, um, the world we live in, that the things that we can't see and quantify and be certain of, or at least feel a maybe false sense of certainty of, um, are bad. And nature doesn't play with that game. It's trust <laughs> me or don't, but if you trust me, I got you. And it's something like I've been saying is just spending time and prioritizing building that relationship is enough. Just giving your attention and awareness is enough. It doesn't have to be you've solved the world's problems, you're one with nature, all this stuff. Just pay attention. It, it wants to be seen. The feminine wants to be seen. It wants to be valued. And um, something that I've been thinking about from the, in pharmacy school, at least from the way I perceived it, there was this underlying message that natural medicine was not to be recommended. Don't trust it. Um, if anyone comes to you in the pharmacy counter, asks about it, just say no. Like, <laughs> and um, it's something that I think about a lot, why that is, where it comes from, my belief is that people don't intend to be, no one, no one means to do these things. There's like really deep layers on why we respond. Um, but my point is, is in consideration with the need to prioritize intuition and the need to prioritize logic in balance of the two, um, there's a lot of professionals and medical um, alternative medicine healers who rely heavily on the intuition and ignore logic and vice versa. Both of those are problems. Um, you can't ignore what's out there. And I think me and you um, really agree on this. We have to consider all treatment options for the patient and look at the patient. What do they need? How are they going to heal? It's not about my agenda. It's not about what I think is best. 
um, and what you pointed out with shamans and different medicine people and how they have this connection to their intuition and that guides them in how to treat others. I have seen different healers um, who, I don't know, I'm sure you've heard of muscle testing. Mm -hmm. So it's like really, you can't repeat that. It is never going to be the same. There's no way to prove that what happens and how to remove bias. And are you, are you pushing too much? Like my logical mind is the skeptic out there. Um, So for me, trying to consider how it makes sense, at least for me, to use both intuition and logic in treating others. And so far, what I've come up with is intuition is meant to guide me and me alone. And logic and studies is there as a safeguard for when I'm responsible for other people. I can't tell them what's best for me. That's what my intuition is. My intuition is my inner guidance. Um, So with shamans and medicine people who have a very deep, intimate relationship with their intuition, I can't speak to say if they know what's best for others through their intuition. I think it's possible. Um, But I think for the average person, your intuition should be for you. And when you have a strong relationship where you can really discern your intuition from other things, your trauma responses, your, um, your mind coming in really fast before the intuitive hit, um, there's a lot in discernment. Um, And so for me, what I've felt like lately is the intuition needs to be integrated alongside the current medical model. And we need to teach individuals to have a relationship with their intuition to support what they hear from medical professionals. When I tell you these are the studies and I show you and I did all this work and research Um, it's not going to be specific to you. It's not going to consider all the different disease states and all the different combinations of medicine that you're on and all the things that are individual to you, your body chemistry, the way in which your specific organ systems are communicating. There's no way for any one individual medical professional to really consider it all. And to my, um, demise, I guess. Um, You can't do it all. One person can't do it all. And um, that's why teams are important. I hope that we start to keep seeing um, collaborations among different professionals where there is priority for intuition, there's priority for self-care, there's priority for nutrition, exercise, connection to other humans and non-humans. Um, each of these things is what what um, informs our health, our health expression. And so just trying to use our discernment with how to um, prioritize each of these things is to me where we need to start to see healthy people. Yeah, that, all of that is, yeah, <laughs> totally agree. And that is a true integrative and holistic model when we consider all of those things and i agree like intuition is your own inner moral compass and it can interfere with a lot of the bias whether it's inherited or what you see or logical it can intercept those signals from our intuitive compass so i think the more you use it and the more you experience using it and what it feels like when you get it right or wrong let's say that's how you'll start to discern. Um, So like a lot of even healers and doctors, you'll say like, oh, this doctor has a hunch 
Well, this is because this doctor is very experienced. He's seen so many cases um, and has has so much already that it kind of developed as like a muscle that this intuition of yet, yeah, I mean, he's seen all of these similar cases and all of these treatments, but he knows that for this particular case, like the best recommendation is a certain one. And a lot of it is not logical. A lot of it is just because like of so much practice of getting it before that now you know what it feels like and what it looks like and what the outcome is likely to be. Yeah, there's so many like different modes of decision making and observing and it's like really hard to really put labels on them, at least in my mind, like I see the differences and the concepts, but learning like the word to really explain like what you're sharing to me is like um, the intuitive hunch as you kind of shared is there's still mind involved and there is a space where the mind doesn't talk. And this is, I guess, controversial for some people. Um, whereas if you hear people talking about meditation and there's never a time when your mind isn't going um, or you don't hear that inner chatter, um, at least from my personal experience, which my whole message is that everyone's different and there's no right or wrong. And we have a mind that does categorize things into right or wrong and that's helpful and serves a purpose. But um, my point is um, there is a space that is just knowing, it's just an inner knowing. And as you mentioned, when you connect um, to nature and these medicine people, have these downloads, which is a good term to use it. Um, it's not, it's not personal. It's not um, based on our direct experience and all the things that we've experienced in life that creates the hunch, like with the medical doctor, there is something separate and it's really hard to trust that. Um, and so trying to develop a relationship with nature and trust in and of itself is um, important and um, to trust something without needing to know why um, is hard. <laughs> yeah, there's different degrees of the intuition. Some of it is based on like past experiences and logic and then some of it is just separate. So it's, it's maybe a spectrum um, and different categories, but I think our society doesn't value, as you said, like something that you can't inherently trust and something that you can't inherently prove. Um, so, so our society doesn't value it, and that's why they're, the masculine and the feminine are out of balance. That's why, because, because the masculine is all about trying to kind of like overshadow the feminine and like put it in its place. And that goes for both like, you know, the female and male relationship as humans and the female figure being in all societies like seen as beneath the male society, you know, we have a very patriarchal society. Um, but also all those things that um, the mystical part of the woman, like the woman is able to birth and give life and men don't understand that. And they will, so, you know, I, I listened to this interesting um, Indian mystic and he was saying like, something that you don't understand and can never fully grasp you will never trust and that's why they're like always trying to like oppress and suppress because it's difficult to understand yeah i love listening to other people's philosophies and their ponderings on these important things um one of uh, a really impactful book for me in my journey is belonging by topapa turner um 
and she talks about kind of the divide with the masculine and feminine over history and where things shifted and why that is and to kind of piggyback off what you were saying um it's so sad and it really breaks my heart like when you were sharing that um the fact that we don't trust women in general um or the feminine it's heartbreaking and it's our lack of trust in nature and um I also wanted to just say it's something that's new for me to really use the term masculine and feminine. Um, and I know that it's kind of uh, controversial or can be triggering for some people, but we all have masculine and feminine within us. So when me and you, I, I don't want to speak for you, but when we're saying masculine and feminine, we're not saying like all men are evil and um, there's no place for the masculine because there is, we need you. We need that force, we need that certainty, we need that safety, we need that protective nature. Um, but we have to realize and recognize that both exist in us and in everything. And for some reason, there is a real um, imbalance. And in order, at least in my belief, in order to create a healthier, happier community and world, we need to restore that balance. And that's where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like a big picture. <laughs> Totally. And I think also like a big part of it is that as a society and, you know, humanity in general has always tried to rise above nature and like have it be subservient and like manipulate it to our advantage. And like, while that's very smart and, you know, we've done amazing, amazing progress with and we progressed our society with those things, we also kind of lost sight of that balance and like giving thanks and that relationship. And also some people even view nature as um, like dangerous, dangerous place. Like don't go to the jungle because there's all these things that will, you know, are out to get you or like, this is dirty and, you know, we're gonna have to clean up after this. And, you know, there's like this whole also negative aspect because there are, you know, poisonous plants, there are poisonous and venomous snakes and, you know, bugs and like, as you know, they can't viruses, like, look at this, you know, like, and they are vectors of disease and things like that. But I think it's also nature's way of kind of put bringing the balance back. And I think there is a way to bring about harmony when we shouldn't be like, scared or um, trying to overtake one another. I think there's a way to live in harmony. Yeah. It's so important and I'm so happy you brought up um, just like, I don't want to get into, of course, the virus and everything that's going on in the world, but that's what I keep seeing in everything. I'm like feminine imbalance, feminine imbalance, yeah. feminine imbalance. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, it's, it's important and um, you're right. It's scary. Women are scary. The feminine is scary. <laughs> the fact that we don't make sense is scary, but we're valid. And we matter. So. Yeah. And I also was trained as a holistic health coach. So there we had the concept of um, adding things in rather than focusing on like taking bad things out. We always focus on adding good things in. So like what you said before, if we focus on just like adding the good aspects and enjoying nature and bringing joy back into our life instead of like, oh, okay, there's a cancer, we have to cut it out. But then like the energy of attraction and the, you know, the law of attraction is like, you keep on thinking about only the negative disease states, but you don't think about what will bring optimal wellness. 
So I think if we also balance that story that we tell ourselves that, okay, we have this bad thing growing inside us, but saying like, but we have so many good cells inside of us too, and bringing back that health and that wonder and that joy. Yeah, and listening, like our, I think a lot of people in the holistic, integrative, functional medicine world recognize that our body and the symptoms that we have are messages to us. We're, con- we're getting communication, um, and it's important to listen to what is being said before we mask it. There is a time and a place to mask it, to preserve life, to give us some more time to learn what you need, what do you need. Um, and we don't listen at all. We just want to push it away. We don't want to deal with it. We're afraid of it. And um, there was something else that you said that I wanted to touch on. Oh, adding things in. Um, our culture, especially from pharmacists, um, mindset is what drug, what supplement. Um, and from my personal experience, after working in the pharmacy world, I took a short break uh, and I worked in a holistic chiropractor's office, which was the complete polar opposite, where they didn't trust medicine. And so I <laughs> got to learn firsthand that those are both the same thing. I was like, everything that frustrated me in the traditional world is frustrating me here. <laughs> Balance. So anyway, um, you can't ignore the need for all tools, which we mentioned, but I forgot what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, well, for me, traditional actually does not describe allopathic medicine. It, it describes actually like traditional traditional where you know we, we used uh, our body intuition and plants and roots and herbs. And I think the reason there is so much distrust that you mentioned before about natural medicine and plants and herbs is because everybody knows that they do have constituents, they have chemical constituents. Yes, they're in the natural form and exist in nature. So they're not made in a lab like pharmaceutical drugs but they do have potent qualities. And if you take the wrong plant or the wrong dose of a plant, it can be a problem and it can interfere with drug therapy. However, (laughs) if you do take a whole plant, it's a very different experience than taking an isolated component, even if it's a natural supplement from that plant. It's very different things. There's synergy going on that we don't know scientifically yet. We don't know scientifically yet. We only know (laughs) intuitively as it exists in nature. There's a lot of things going on that we haven't yet studied. And I don't know if we ever will study every single constituent because depending on the condition the plant is growing in, the soil quality, any kind of predators that are around, like you were saying, they secrete other things. When you pick it, when you harvest it, uh, sunlight that it got, a lot of a lot of factors will go into effect one single plant so the batches of plants will also have different constituents but the body wisdom and the nature wisdom is that they work together synergistically in your body and the all the constituents in the plant actually work to protect from side effects and ameliorate some of the negative effects perhaps so yes the dosing will be off so it's not like very logical or rational because batch to batch the dosing will be off and things like that So I think it cannot be a substitute for the Western model of like treating a person that way. It's more like connecting to nature and including it as part of your lifestyle to eat whole foods, go out and exercise, bring whatever joyful activities you like. If it includes forest bathing, then yes, do that. And then 
for preventative or for self-care means using small doses of plants that are safe like you know and you have studied them or you've you've worked with a person who has studied plants and so like you, you work within what you know kind of framework but you don't just like go out and try to like eat a bunch of plants that you don't know yes that's dangerous but people who know and have studied it they can guide you to the proper way of of working with plants yeah and what you were saying is like we have to recognize where the individual is at you can't force someone who doesn't trust plants to take plants and you can't force someone who doesn't trust pharmaceuticals to take pharmaceuticals because there is um what is the placebo effect right to consider and that's um its own enigma and the negative bias (laughs) if I believe if you have in your mind that something's not going to work for you or you don't trust it, regardless how many studies we have on this specific person, it's not going to have the same impact. Our attention and awareness impacts it. Not trying to get really out there, but like the double split experiment, if anyone's ever thought about um, like physics and um, quantum physics too. Quantum physics. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the observer impacts the outcome. Yes. So when we are treating our health, our our opinions matter, our beliefs matter, and that's something that I'm a big compo- proponent of. You have to treat the individual and create a personalized regimen for them and consider their beliefs. That's going to impact their care, and that's going to impact the results that we see. And you're, you're dealing with a human being; they're yeah. they're different than you, and we have to be able to withstand differences to get to the ultimate goal of helping and creating health. Yeah, like we put all our weight into evidence-based medicine right now; like all our eggs are in that basket right now. But we're missing the point of all the biases that happen. Not all all studies are published and the fact that there even is a study will influence the outcome. So um, my message is actually like, why not harness the placebo effect? Why not bring that to a large scale? Why not have prevention on a large scale so we have less individual health problems to even focus on? And then whatever individual problems do crop up, yes, absolutely treat them as an individual. But the problems that we're all like I'm seeing out there are so similar across the board that we can just all learn from like a few very simple things to do and improve health globally. So that is like my big mission to kind of just get everybody on board and all of us, you know, working for a common cause. Yeah, lifestyle medicine, it's, it's real, it matters and um, the simple things cause profound impact, but people don't want to change because our behaviors are hard to change and um, our relationships are hard to change, our relationship to food, our relationship to exercise, our relationship to technology and the way that it impacts our sleep. Um, These are the things that you really need to change if you want change. And all these chronic conditions um, need to be treated with the more long-term Um, perspective make small changes that are going to give you that big impact whereas short term taking a pill taking a supplement um, is helpful but it's not going to give you long-term results 
Yeah, so the same person that I was mentioning, the Indian uh, guru, his name is Sadhguru, actually, and he's like part of the Isha Foundation. And right now they're having like a sale and also a free course just for healthcare workers, by the way. And so um, he, he was saying, if you are well adjusted in a sick society, are you well? So that's kind of the question we should be asking ourselves. Like our society as a whole is not balanced and not well in it. Are and, you healthy? Right. So if you are just like everybody else and that's normal, but that doesn't mean it's optimal and that doesn't mean it's healthy and right. So I think it's a combination again of the individual approach, but also like figuring out where you are in society and are you okay with that, you know, or should society also kind of make shifts to change? And I think slowly by our individual efforts and affecting each other and like being accountable and maybe affecting just one more person or one more household, all of us will start to make these global differences. Yeah, that's something that I've really recently understood is that it's not selfish. Like this whole kind of shift in our um, behaviors and thought patterns around self-care and um, so many people with big hearts, people in healthcare, we want to help others. We want them to be well. But if you're not healthy first, you can't help them. We know this from studies on children development. If your parent tells you don't do this and is doing that thing, mm. you're learning the behavior. So it same thing goes with healthcare professionals. You're a hypocrite, if you're right? telling them, <laughs> do this, that, and that, and you're not doing it, they're still being informed. Like we mentioned, the immune system, all these other components of us are being informed by what's not being said. It exists. It's there. We can't just focus on our word and our mind and tell people all the things we know. We need to start with us and we influence others. We make a difference. We're part of the collective. We want the world to be healthy. We have to be healthy. And it's an individual journey and we can get support from others, but the individual has to be involved. There's also a concept of the wounded healer. So like those of us that have health conditions, we're actually the ones that are exploring all these alternative options. And like you mentioned with your health journey and I have a health journey. So it's not to say that if you are suffering from some illness or have suffered in the past that you can't help and inspire and heal others. It's just to say that um, you should also make a priority to do the work yourself. You could still be doing it. You don't have to be 100% cured. But you lead by example and uh, don't just be a hypocrite and say this, but do another thing, but also also do the work that you're recommending other people do. Yeah, I really appreciate that point. It's not, we shouldn't feel shame for having health issues and some of the philosophical, uh, spiritual communities can have that unintentionally um, shared. And so if we're struggling, no one's gonna, I mean, Hopefully, we're striving for health. We're striving for perfect health. But if you're not there, that doesn't mean that you should feel like you're a bad person, you're doing something wrong. It's a journey. It's a lifetime. We're here to live and to explore and to care for ourselves and one another. And as you said, it just takes small steps. And um, you, it's a commitment. If you want health, you're going to have to work on it every single day. And that doesn't mean you have to be working to the hustle and the way that our modern culture defines the term work, but there's um, an intention and there's kindness and compassion and it's not a rush, it's a journey. It's it's um, it's an experience. We're here to live life, not to um, 
figure it out or to um, find perfection. And so many of us get trapped in that. Yeah, I think both happiness and health are a journey. You can't just say like, you know, a singular moment that I'm happy doesn't extend for infinity. I think it's just like your your perspective as you live life can be happy, can choose happiness, and it could also choose habits that will improve health. So anyway, I could talk to you for hours. We're running out of time. And so I just want to ask a few quick questions. Tell us a little bit more about your business model, if you're still working in pharmacy or if you have completely transitioned. I am working part-time as a pharmacist. Right now I'm working for Capsule remotely. Um, my intention is to try and find a balance, like I preach, um, where I am devoted to the things that I feel inspired to share, um, but also having the masculine support and security taken into account. And so um, right now I am doing part-time this, part-time that. And so my part-time work on my own business, Biophilia Wellness, is um, right now I'm offering nature therapy guided walks and I'm trying to integrate my medical wisdom into that um, where I can offer medication therapy management considering lifestyle interventions and work more intimately with patients give them that relationship that they need to see real changes. Um, and I'm right now doing virtual walks. So if people aren't in Long Island, New York and they wanna get a taste, they can um, find um, me there. Uh, I'm taking a kind of month by month at this point. I think everyone is um, for how long I'll be doing virtual. Um, but I'm really happy to work with other people, to collaborate, to connect, to um, have conversations. So um, reach out. Yeah, well, we can collaborate on forest guided therapy and some herbal plans that we can identify in there, <clears throat> medicinal herbs. And um, I was also um, a virtual remote worker capsule last year so yeah so we have that in common all right um so we're at the end of the interview but if you just have a couple more minutes i have rapid fire questions okay uh number one what uh is the number one thing people can do right now to improve their quality of life Uh, love themselves perfect very short and sweet and simple not very simple to do but very good advice yeah um okay number two what is your favorite hobby or pastime i think i know the answer but (laughs) being in nature cool and number three what's your favorite beverage to drink i love water i've been addicted to water it's never been hard for me to drink water and i genuinely like enjoy it yeah it does taste really good especially when you're thirsty (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, I'll have all the links that you mentioned in the show notes. Um, And thank you so much for sharing your philosophy and your wisdom and everything that we spoke about. Uh, I really, really enjoyed our talk today. And I hope other people will resonate as well. Thank you so much. I really had so much fun doing this. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll hopefully keep in touch and collaborate with you in the future. enjoy your sunday bye thank you for tuning in to another episode of the raw fork podcast and i truly hope you enjoyed the show if you learned something new from it i would really appreciate if you can give us a five-star rating and a sincere review so that more people can find it across the podcast platforms to get in touch with me 
please go on rawfork.com or email me directly at marina at rawfork.com. Take good care and I'll see you back here next week.